Welcome to the Fabric Podcast, where we explore company culture and how it scales as a company grows. Brought to you by the team at The Receptionist, a bootstrapped Denver-based software company. Each episode of Fabric will set out to uncover unique and uncommon answers to the question, how do companies of any size create a culture and core values that employees actually live out? On this episode of the podcast, we're joined by Michael Yinger, COO of ResumeSiv, an advanced AI-powered candidate platform to assist with hiring strong candidates. He's here to talk to us about hiring biases, what they are, how they negatively impact organizations, and what you can do to address them. Michael shares his tips for listeners who are hiring and searching for jobs, and he brings awareness to a topic we probably don't give enough thought to. Enjoy the episode. Michael, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you here. Thank you. I look forward to the conversation. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So before we dig in, share with our listeners about the work that you do. Sure. I work at a a small startup. I guess all startups are small. Uh, Resume Civ. We've been in business about 18 months and we have some technology in the recruiting space, primarily at the front end of the process, helping recruiters to uh, more effectively evaluate the candidates that they're taking a look at. So my day-to-day work, it can be paying bills, it can be talking to customers, it can be talking to investors, it's the whole gamut, as you might imagine, in a small company, that's the kind of stuff that I'm working on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think anyone who has gone through a hiring process loves the idea of ways to make it better, more streamlined, and help yep. us find stronger candidates and exactly. maybe deal with some of what we bring to the table. So. Talk to us about how biases can show up in the hiring process. Actually, I'll just give you a really, just a little anecdote. I was talking with a, a DEI specialist and he said, what school did you go to? And I told him what school we went to. And we started talking about the school. And he said, see, we could do that for half an hour. And I would never ask you a single question about whether you were qualified for the job. That's unconscious bias. That, that's the challenge, the, the challenge we find is, our, we have an application, and I'm not here to sell my application, and the application looks at people objectively. It looks at their skills, doesn't look at where they're from, what school they went to, any of that kind of stuff. It's the people who come in, and that's the kind of thing that they get into, and it's, it's a subtle thing. You can be as open and positive about it as you'd like, and the challenge is, what is it that you're bringing to it? Did you spend half an hour talking about your favorite f- uh, football team with your candidate? and decide that this was a great person to hire because that's all you talked about was the football team. It's a, it is a, it, it's a challenge that we need to continue to address. And, and there are lots of tools out there. Uh, I talked with one company uh, earlier this week that, that actually takes the resume and redacts it. It takes out the school name. It takes out the years you worked anywhere. It's just purely your skills. It's a very interesting idea to take people up and away from thinking about uh, the things that that are typically you know not really germane to whether somebody's qualified to do the job or not do they have the skills do they have the right kind of experience do they have a degree does it matter where the degree is from well maybe it does and are you making decisions because of where they want not because of what they're capable of so it's it's an interesting challenge that a lot of people are looking at and you know that ultimately it's it's us <laughs> Right. And I think individuals. Yeah. And I think a lot of us want to believe like, oh, I wouldn't do that. You know, I, I, I don't want to be biased. I want to be really open. So can you give us maybe some more examples of where these biases show up? I think the college one is a, is a great example of a way 
you immediately connect, you focus in on that. But what are some other uh, maybe typical hiring biases that you see and can help people with? Yeah, so uh, another very common one is to look at somebody who's a job hopper. It, a, a, see, I just use the term. Look at mm -hmm. somebody's tenure and decide that they're a job hopper and therefore, or look at a gap in a resume. I actually saw a very interesting resume in it, and it's somebody that we ended up hiring. She actually put her children on her resume because those were gaps, but they were in her mind, very explainable gaps. And then she was moving because her husband moved or, you know, whatever. It was a really transparent view of her life over the last X number of years. Those are the kind of things that people look at. They will, they'll look at, um, They'll make decisions around spelling errors. Well, you know, you, I, I get that, and and is that you know is that really the end all and be all? Very common. They'll look at addresses and say, well, uh, you know, don't want somebody living mm -hmm. from this neighborhood, or they they live too far away. Sort of discounting them. Um, and then, unfortunately, of course, there's name sort of recognition that people will engage in. A, a really tricky one is. You know, they don't have my industry experience. Well, maybe that's a valid, you know, that's not necessarily a bias. If, if you're looking to hire in a particular industry, you really need people to understand your industry for them to be successful. Maybe you already know that. Otherwise, do they, they have the skills? One, one area that's, that's really interesting, there's a study done um, recently by Harvard and Accenture that looked at people who were being excluded by the technology before they even get to the people. Because they, the, how we've tuned our technology, these same kind of prejudice, uh, uh, biases that I'm talking about, we've built into the technology. The study estimates that there's as many as 26 million people who are eligible for employment, but they're being discounted because they've got gaps in their resume, they've got short tenures, they haven't been in the in the in the workplace recently. All these kinds of things. They never even talk to a person because we built that technology into the evaluation process. Yeah. Now I think we can make some assumptions here, but talk to us about what the long-term effects are of these hiring biases on organizations if we're not addressing them appropriately. Yeah, it, it, it is a very, um, it, it, I, I would say it's almost a well-known fact, but it's certainly something that's been studied quite extensively that a diverse organization is more profitable. Let's just put it right out there that, you know, you've got, you've got that variety of people and you end up with a better mix and a better result, better productivity. So you, you, you put profitability at risk, not to mention the fact that by being exclusionary, whether deliberately or accidentally in your hiring process, you have access to less people. And so it takes you longer to fill the job. Therefore, you're losing the productivity from that particular position. So these are all very measurable economic impacts to the organization if, you, you know, if, if you're not paying attention to this kind of thing. And now there could be some societal impacts, right? You know, your the board of directors could be dictating something. Uh, I worked with a, a client and and they, we were providing them a very diverse slate, like more than 50% of the people on the slate qualified as something in the category of, of diverse. Their hiring was only 20%. And they came back to us and said, well, you know, you're obviously doing something wrong because, and, I, and we said, no, you're getting 50%. Where are the decisions being made about those people? Any, you know, any kind of technology that solves this problem, there's still somebody's got to be making that decision to get those people through. So th there are some very real, both societal and economic impacts of being exclusionary. I guess that's the easiest way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think 
you know, for people listening, we don't mean to be exclusionary, um, but these are just sort of built in biases that have developed over time that have been ingrained in a lot of us um, who are maybe in that decision-making position. And so we really do have to work hard to deal with and address these biases so that we, as you said, can have a really strong and diverse workforce. So what's the solution that you came up with to help remove human biases in the recruitment process? Well, it, in the case of, of our application, and there are, there are other tools that do um, different things, our approach is that we're, we're looking just at the skills and we're doing it in a way that, that, that there isn't any sort of machine bias, right? It, there's no, that all we're doing is we're saying what skills are present, how long have they been present, and how recently have they been present? And, and so everybody who is evaluated is evaluated on an objective basis on the skills that are recorded in the resume. Now, what you do with that information, that's the challenge, of course. And often this is the, you know, the best sort of solution you can come up with. The, you know, some of the AI tools that are um, attempting to, to do this, the challenge is, was there some unconscious bias in terms of the AI? In the case of our tool, there, there's not anything making any judgment whatsoever. It's just, it's either there or it's not. Then, it, then it's just, did the person, include it in their resume or not, should they have or not, and then are, are we evaluating it? So it's, it's an attempt to be objective and then provide that objective information to the decision maker, and then they can make their choices from there. Yeah, now you've touched on this. There are a number of tools and in the space of HR, technology has yep. really you know developed to help recruiters, but talk to us about how HR tech has actually failed recruiters in some places. You're kind of touching on this, but let's talk a yeah. little bit more about that. Yeah. yeah. So it, 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 there, there are a couple of a couple of interesting, what you could consider to be, I think you could consider to be failures. The first is there's just so much of it. And I, you know, I'm part of that problem. <laughs> you know, here I am, you know, with a, with a technology product in the space. There, there, so there's a lot of distraction, you know, which ones are the right ones? How do you evaluate which ones are the right ones? Who's doing the evaluation? So there's, there's a distraction. The, the second area that I think that that has been uh, a letdown is the is the nature is the level of complexity. Some of these tools are very just very dense. That's the best way to put it. Lots of bells and whistles and switches and and whatnot. And so they end up not being used because the recruiter doesn't really understand it. I was talking to a, a CEO of a company that that had a a front end tool that was supposed to bring in more candidates and the what the recruiters would get these candidates say, well none of these candidates are any good so i'm just going to ignore the results of this tool without doing what they the, the the step that was intended which is they should have been telling the tool what they were rejecting and why so it's just too complex very often and so the recruiters are faced with just um not because they don't understand the tool they don't understand how it works they they either use it in a way that it's not intended or they don't use it at all that's the real challenge and so they end up doing more and more by hand in the case of this one uh customer i was talking to you know the intention of that tool was to simplify some of the sourcing for these recruiters but the reality is not only were they ignoring these results but they were then doing their own sourcing off to the side so they were actually spending more time rather than less time that's that that's a real failure it, in from our perspective, it's are we looking at the experience of the recruiter in the process and are we doing things to make the recruiter's experience a better one? And that's not often the case. Now, there, there is some thinking going on in this area. There's no question. 
you know, is the candidate experience more important than the than the employee experience? Personally, I say no. I think the employee experience is is, is more important than the candidate candidate experience because if your employee is not happy doing what they're doing, that's going to reflect in terms of how they interact with their candidates mm-hmm. or their customers, as the case may be. Yeah. Now, as we're talking through all this, and again, people having gone through a hiring process, they know that finding that right person can take time. And as you're sharing, our own biases can negatively impact finding the best person and creating a diverse team. You've touched on this a little bit, but can you talk a little bit more about how people can automate their recruitments process a little bit more, um, as well as address those biases and to find that strong, diverse workforce? Sure. There, there, are, there are a lot of tools out there to take some of the, the drudgery out of the recruitment process at different stages in the life cycle. So there are, there are tools, for example, that, that can go out and find candidates. Now, the, the challenge you have is, you know, how are those tools uh, coded? What are they looking for? Are they objective or are they in themselves subject to some inherent bias? There are tools that can process the candidates more quickly. That's where we fit that sort of niche. You know, taking the requirements and and picking out the candidates uh, more effectively. There are tools to automate the interview process. I I looked at a really really slick tool that um, you you feed your candidates in and it reaches out to them and schedules the interview. You record the questions in your voice. And then it'll call a thousand candidates with your voice. It, they, you know, they're not hiding it. This is this is a you know not the person, but it's a much more human touch. And so, meanwhile, you know, a thousand candidates are getting reviewed with the exact same set of questions that are then presented for review and whatnot. So, the, a lot of these are add-ons. Although some of the large applicant uh, tracking vendors, in particular, are starting to you know increase the size of their suite. You know, of course, the the the, the major vendors have done this for a long time by adding all these things in. But there are there, these are all intended, if they're used correctly, to make it easier for the recruiter. Automated scheduling, you know, allowing the candidates to reply via text. It just there are any number of ways that you can up that productivity of the recruiter at the same time, you know, making it uh, you know, making their work easier by making their work easier rather than just saying, well, you got to you got to do more jobs. Yeah, I love that. You've already given a lot of tips, but as we kind of come to a close on this conversation, for any of our listeners who are hiring, any final tips or thoughts that you have for them in that role of bringing on someone new or many new people to the team? Uh, yeah, a couple a couple of things. One is don't take your employee experience for granted. Think about what it is they have to do to do their job and make that as simple and as straightforward as you possibly can. The second is don't ignore the experience that you're putting your candidates through because these days, when you get candidates, they're pickier, let's be honest. They have choices, they have alternatives, and they're looking for a better experience. Even if they don't, even if that's not a conscious thought, they're gonna know when they're not being treated well or when they're being put through a ringer or for example, when you feed in your resume and the system parses it, and then you get to look at the results, and the only thing it got right was your middle name. Mm. You know, how's that? What kind of experience does that uh, provide? So it, the experience is really a critical thing, and it's something that we often think. Let's just go out and get some technology. Well, yeah, to do what? How's it going to help you? How are you going to train it? Is it going to be integrated? It's it's think about the experience first before you start. Um, fixing things because the experience is what's it's what's going to make the difference. 
Yeah. And before we finish up, for anyone who might be listening, who is on a job search or will be starting a job search soon, any tips for them from your perspective? Yeah. <laughs> One, it's it's persistence. Uh, recognize that this is your job search and therefore you need to take ownership of it. And not to be discouraged when you get the um, you know, the, the, the thanks, but no thanks email, which, you know, sometimes comes as quickly as like three seconds after you hit the enter key because the system has evaluated your, your application. So, well, you're not, you're not a fit there. The, the good news is right now for the job seeker, while they may not be perfect, there are lots of jobs out there, but it's, it's, it's up to you to drive it and, and to be persistent and, you know, sometimes you have, you know, at least think about seeing through some of the complexity that you're confronted with, as opposed to just um, giving up. Um, way too many companies talk about the abandonment of the of the process where people get into the application process and they don't finish it. If you, you know, if you're really interested in the job, show some, show some persistence. Yeah, those are great tips. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time today and for shedding some light on a topic that I don't think we talk about enough. Yes, exactly. Happy to do it. And it is a big topic right now. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. Okay. Thank you again to Michael Yinger from Resume Civ. If you'd like to watch a recording of today's episode, please visit us at thereceptionist.com.